Would you pray with me? Almighty God, open our hearts and minds to your word this morning as we seek your vision for our lives. Amen. A restored vision. Much of this past week has been spent reflecting on this past year and looking forward to the year ahead as we prepare for today's church conference. And looking back, I remember how much everyone struggled with isolation and anxiety as we had to come up with new ways of, of learning and working and buying groceries and entertaining ourselves during this pandemic. There were some bright spots like the increased time together with family and pets, but even this came with its own challenges at times. I heard of many families who started to get a little annoyed with their constant companionship of their loved ones. And I heard of a dog who developed a sprained tail from wagging it so much because they were so happy their owner was always home. While some of us made it through this time relatively unscathed, many of us experienced losses that were very important to us, such as graduation celebrations, holidays with relatives, job opportunities, and the tragic loss of friends and family members. Very few of us were not impacted by this pandemic. Nevertheless, we forged ahead with determination to accomplish whatever had to be done because we know that there will be a day when this challenging time will be behind us. In our passage this morning, we see Jesus forging ahead with determination to accomplish his mission on earth. Earlier in chapter 10 of verse 17, we're told he's setting out on a journey, but it isn't until verse 32 that we learn of his destination, Jerusalem. Twice before, he had told his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to be killed by the elders and then resurrected. But they didn't quite understand. This third time in chapter 10, he is very explicit. He says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. Jesus is very clear about what is about to happen, and he is ready. You might even say he's eager to complete his task and move on to his new reality. Haven't we all been in situations where we had to do something difficult or unpleasant so that we could attain a better situation in our life? Perhaps it was boot camp experience or fraternity or sorority indoctrination or simply doing those dirty jobs that come with paying your dues in a new career. We've all had those experiences and the way to get through them is with sheer determination. We put our head down and get to work, focusing on the task at hand with a vision of the new possibilities pulling us forward. This seems to be the state of mind that Jesus was in as he was heading toward Jerusalem. Verse 32 tells us, quote, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed and those who followed were afraid. He was about to go through an experience that no one had ever encountered before, literally forging his way through death to the depths of hell so he could take his place 
at the right hand of God. This was what was on his mind as he was passing through Jericho on the day he met Bartimaeus. As he was leaving town, the blind beggar Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We are told in this passage that there was a large crowd with him, so it must have been very noisy, which is why Bartimaeus cried out so loudly. Bystanders nearby sternly told him to be quiet, maybe because they wanted to catch a glimpse of anything new that Jesus had to say, or maybe they were just simply annoyed at the guy next to them who was yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm sure those standing around him had their own questions that they wanted answered by Jesus. But they had their own personal concerns that they wanted addressed. But it was the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, who caught Jesus' attention and made Jesus pause. This scenario reminds me of an old commercial where a little girl is trying to get her mother's attention. The mother appears well-dressed in a nice upper-class home where she apparently works from. She's eagerly clicking through messages on her laptop with a look of deep concentration as she tries to ignore her daughter. The daughter pleads in the mother, for the mother to pay attention and play with her, but her mother replies, sorry, honey, I have some important people I need to meet with this afternoon, and I have to prepare for this meeting. The little girl responds, when will I be important? Stunned, the mother pauses, looks up with an expression of sudden realization, and gazes down into her daughter's eyes and says, you know, you are the most important in my life. I'll work on this later. And she walks away with her daughter. As Jesus was leaving Jericho, focused on his task in Jerusalem, he seems to have been struck by the cry from Bartimaeus. He suddenly stops and calls for Bartimaeus to be brought to him. Now the crowd encourages Bartimaeus, saying, take heart, get up. He's calling for you. It's as though Jesus had been interrupted by that Holy Spirit who raised the needs of Bartimaeus and as, a, as an example of his earthly mission. And Jesus intuitively follows the Spirit's guidance to meet with Bartimaeus. The surrounding crowd also gets the benefit of observing another lesson as Jesus demonstrates compassion to someone who had been placed on the fringes of society it clearly fell within the inner circle of God's beloved. Bartimaeus quickly threw off his cloak and jumped up and came to Jesus. Now remember, Bartimaeus was a blind beggar, so he probably didn't have a lot of extra clothes to just toss aside. He was basically throwing caution to the wind once he heard Jesus's call. He didn't know he was gonna find his cloak or didn't have anyone to watch his cloak for him as he threw it aside. Or who was going to guide him back to the side of the road if he didn't regain his sight? He had faith that his interaction with Jesus would change his life and his circumstances would be different after that encounter. So throwing aside his cloak and springing up, and he was like stepping out of a cocoon. What might have seemed like recklessness to others was a purposeful movement toward a transformational experience it would result in a new version of Bartimaeus that had never been seen before. When he was brought to Jesus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Doesn't that seem like an odd question? 
I mean, isn't it obvious what he would want? He's blind, which makes him incapable of supporting himself and living like everyone else in the community. But the fact that Jesus asked this question leads us to more carefully consider the assumptions that we make when we think of that question. Perhaps there is something else in his life that needs attention more and is more important than his sight. Perhaps he's used to being blind, so that's not the most important issue for him. By posing this question, Jesus reminds us of our free will. We are free to choose our own path in life, and God does not presume to know what we want. We are expected to carefully reflect on what we want for our life and not simply try to conform to the world around us or strive for the things that we think that others think we should have. We are encouraged to express diversity and express our unique gifts from God. So Christ wants to hear directly from Bartimaeus what he wants the most from in life at that moment. Bartimaeus replies to Jesus, my teacher, let me see again. It turns out Bartimaeus does want his eyesight restored. But notice he says to see again, as though he used to be able to see, but something happened to take his vision away. He wants to be able to see the way he used to see the world before, but is it really possible to make things exactly as they were before? I mean, once we lose something as critical as our vision or any other privilege or advantage that we've taken for granted, our outlook on the world changes. Even though we may regain that capability, our changed perception alters how we use that capability if we're lucky enough to have it restored again. Again, when we think about some of the relatively simple comforts of life that we lost during the pandemic, like going to a theater or a concert or having fellowship time after service, we do review them with renewed appreciation as we work towards making them possible again. Likewise, Bartimaeus asked to have his vision restored, but I suspect he viewed the world differently when he was able to see again. As our passage this morning tells us, Jesus restored Bartimaeus' vision as he requested. Jesus replied to Bartimaeus, go, your faith has made you well. And his vision was immediately restored. It's interesting to note the differences between Bartimaeus' healing versus the healing of the blind man earlier in chapter 8, when Mark's gospel talks of Jesus passing through Bethsaida. When Jesus was in Bethsaida, a blind man was brought to Jesus by his friends, and they asked Jesus to heal him. In this situation, it wasn't the blind man who asked to be healed. It was his friends. And rather than simply stating that he is healed, Jesus had to take the man aside, put saliva on the man's eyes, and lay his hands on him. Actually, he had to lay his hands on him twice because the healing was not completely effective the first time. In the case of Bartimaeus, Jesus simply tells him that his faith has made him well while they were standing amidst the crowd. It seems that the confidence that Bartimaeus had as Jesus' ability to heal him made that healing much quicker and efficient. Bartimaeus knew Jesus could heal him, but the man in Bethsaida 
had to be convinced. Obviously, Jesus provided the healing for Bartimaeus, but his statement that his faith had made him well highlights the critical, the critical role that faith plays in the transformational experiences we have with Christ. Now, in response to his healing, Bartimaeus decides to follow Jesus on the way. This phrase, on the way, has at least two possible meanings. Literally, Bartimaeus joined the crowd following Jesus to Jerusalem, but it's also a connotation related to discipleship. The phrase, the way, was commonly used to differentiate the lifestyle of a disciple versus the lifestyle of the rest of society. The way was the way of life built upon the love and compassion that Jesus taught his followers to exhibit. Bartimaeus' healing touched not only his eyes, but his heart, his soul, and his mind as well. He was clearly transformed by this encounter with Christ. Today, we reflect on how transformed we are by Christ through our experience over the past year as a church and as individuals. We never totally lost our vision as a church in the last year, but we have been hampered by the effects of the pandemic. While reviewing the notes from previous charge conferences, I came across our church's vision statement, quote, to reestablish and nurture a firm, holy, and healthy connection with God, one another, and our community. I think this is a wonderful vision statement, but I can see how it could have been hampered by the pandemic in the past year. It's difficult to build such good connections when we can't get together or work in the community the way you had in the past. As we continue to emerge from the grip of this virus through vaccinations, responsible behavior, and the development of effective treatments, we are essentially renewing our vision. Like Bartimaeus, who saw the world differently when his vision was restored, we have a new appreciation for the simple things that we took for granted while we were quarantined. For example, we have a greater appreciation for the chance to come together like we do here. As many have noted, the church building was closed for a while last year, but the church never did. We've always known that the church is made up of people rather than facilities, but the experiences of the past year have given us a deeper understanding of this truth. The church is built upon the relationships that we have with each other and with Christ. So the church continued to operate even though we couldn't meet in the building. We had to discover new ways to get together using conferencing technologies as we're doing through Zoom this morning. And we were able to keep a sense of community. We also had a chance to see the world in a new way. We gained a deeper understanding that our world is robust but not indestructible. Events on one side of the planet can have far-reaching consequences for the entire earth, and we must all come together as stewards of God's creation to maintain it. This goes for health, economic, and biological considerations. The virus that emerged in China spread across the planet, exacerbating economic inequalities in our society, as well as many different nations, the economic inequalities that we have. And a short period of time of travel that was halted demonstrated for us 
how the earth can quickly restore itself, both the clean air and the diverse ecosystems when pollution is rapidly diminished. This is both encouraging as we see opportunities for restoring our environment, and it's disconcerting as we realize the degree of impact that human activity is having on our planet. As we look forward to the year ahead in ministry, we see how God can use our service within our community in and around Yuma to create ripples that can extend far and wide. Our experiences in the past year have also shed new light on how we see ourselves and our personal circumstances. Many of us have gained a deeper appreciation for our teachers, our families, and our work lives. We have a much greater appreciation for those who chose to serve as educators in our schools. And many of us have discovered what we have been missing out on for important interactions with our families when we overcommit to our careers. Family is a unique gift that we have taken for granted in the past, that we have recovered during the pandemic. As we reflect on the story of Bartimaeus, we see some interesting parallels to our own lives. We're discovering new kinds of normals where we're getting closer to the way things were before the pandemic. Yet we're realizing that there are some things that will never be the same. As, we, as the new normals become clear, we must ask ourselves, how will we serve Christ in the days ahead? Deep, thoughtful reflection is needed to discern what we want to ask from Christ. And then we must boldly step out in faith, knowing that Christ is always with us. Yet we must also be attentive to the nudging spirit, the nudging Holy Spirit who guides us as we serve, so that we can be made aware of the beloved brothers and sisters in our midst who God is guiding us toward. This past year has been amazingly transformative. And we have tremendous opportunities in the year ahead. Let's celebrate our renewed commitment to serve Christ on the way. Amen. <laughs>